Hosting for Your Tech Life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Well, good evening and welcome. Thank you for your company here on Your Tech Life. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Lovely to be with you. Thanks to the good people at Garmin, Satellite Navigation and GPS Technologies, and of course, Alcatel and their Go Play. Shockproof, waterproof, dustproof smartphone. You can get that at Big W on a range of other places. Um, lots to get through on this show. We have a bunch of calls. Uh, interesting topics, I won't lie to you. Uh, the NBN features greatly, as does a very simple um, tip that you might have kind of forgotten about. Something that I I don't use anymore, but I've been asked the question. So we will see if we can help with that. Plus, we're going to talk about car sharing and how you could save... Hundreds at the airport. You never have to pay for parking again. And you know airport parking is expensive. Uh, well, Ford have got involved in a little startup that is uh, doing great things around the country. We'll talk to both Ford and that little startup shortly. And we will talk about the future of, well, backyard equipment. Line trimmers, edge trimmers, chainsaws. Because that's changing. And uh, the people of Husqvarna who I've spoken about a few years ago when I visited their factory, are doing some really cool stuff with innovation in that space. So we'll catch up with uh, Stephen Clark from uh, Husqvarna later in the show as well. All that plus uh, my thoughts on the world of mobile phones, mobile networks, and what, how I want your help to determine exactly what's next and exactly what's happening with our mobile networks because I don't know if I believe everything they tell us. So only you can help me with that. So let's get cracking and you can help me out here on Your Tech Life. Apologies, I wasn't here last week. Your phone didn't download me, and that's my fault. Look, I was in Brisbane. Um, I had a bunch of meetings on Tuesday, catch up with family on Tuesday night. By the time Wednesday came round, it was origin night. Thursday, I was driving cars with Ford. Friday, I was driving cars with Jaguar. And frankly, the week got away from me. And I I thought, I might take a week off. So I did. Podcasting, that is. So both Two Blokes Talking Tech and Your Tech Life are back this week. And for that very reason, I probably won't do too much news this week here on this show because I'll leave that to Two Blokes Talking Tech. If you want your fix of news and information, I'll. there's a lot of topics we'll cover um, when we record tomorrow. A couple of things I want to talk about, though, here on Your Tech Life. Firstly, a small acknowledgement and a thank you to the many people who've been listening for the many years I've been doing this because you know what this is? I've just done the sums. This is episode 338. Uh, we've already recorded episode 262 of Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is my 600th podcast. Ouch. 
Now, to be honest, it's actually many more than that because we didn't um, we don't count the episodes um, that we do at events. So at CES, we do three or four. At um, at IFA, we've done multiple stuff like that. So we don't count those because it's kind of they're kind of the same episode, the same thing. Um, so it's actually more like six hundred and twelve. <laughs> But this, in terms of episode numbers, is my 600th podcast. So thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for supporting the people that support the podcasts. Um, it helps helps me get support. Um, and thank you for engaging. If you don't send me emails via the website, your, uh, your, uh, yourtechlife.com or eftm.com.au, or you don't tweet me and Facebook me, then I, I wouldn't know you're there and I wouldn't bother helping because you're not, I don't know you're there. So it's great to get your emails. It's great to try and help you out on um, on your tech life issues. And it's just bloody great doing the show. So always appreciate your support. Didn't get too many people angry at me because I didn't do a show last week. I don't know whether that's because you don't care or whether because you just acknowledge that oh, I'd, I'd come back sooner or later. I'd like, to th- <laughs> I'd like to think it's the latter, but we'll work with that. So thank you very much for your support and for listening and uh, just generally for being there. Good on you. Now, um, I've launched a little survey. You might have noticed if you're in my social feed, you might have noticed on Facebook, you might have noticed on the website. But if you haven't clicked the link, please do. Now, here's what happened between you and me, because I haven't actually written this yet. I've simply launched the survey. But between you and me, the reason I launched the survey is because of Telstra. (laughs) I won't lie. Telstra have launched a new brand campaign. And they make a lot of really cool, you know, magic statements around it. It's great. Um, don't hold back from that. I have no problem with that. But I also saw a billboard recently, and I'm sure I, a lot of that I was dreaming it, but it's on their website, that they have Australia's lowest dropout rate. And when I asked them about that, they just said they do their own surveys. And I thought, well, I don't know, is that enough? So I thought I might ask the world, I might ask the country what what they think. Now, um. I don't know whether my data will be conclusive enough because of the number of the people that fill it out. And that's why I'm making this plea to you now. Uh, please visit the Facebook page, the website or Twitter and find you'll find it. You won't miss it. Um, it's, it's about a uh, 15 questions in total max. If you fill them all out, um, it'll take you five minutes. I'm, I literally, I don't know. I don't, it's completely anonymous. I asked your postcode just so I can work out demographically if we're covering most of the nation. I ask you if you use a smartphone. I ask you if you download apps. I ask you um, what sort of phone you got. I ask you what sort of phone you used to have. I ask you what sort of plan you're on. I ask you how much you spend on your plan. I ask you who your telco is. I ask you if you're happy with the speed. I ask you if you're happy with the dropouts. I ask you a few things like that. And then I ask you if, if you haven't changed providers, why not? And it's very interesting. I've had hundreds of responses and they are excellent, very, very good detail. And I think I've got a really good um, show at trying to trying to paint a picture of the Australian mobile market. Now, uh, interestingly, I really want to get the number up quite high in terms of the number of responses because I think that if I publish results, I think people will, if they're negative towards them, <laughs> any provider, Vodafone, Telstra, Optus, Sabasim, whoever it might be, they might say, well, it's only 20 people. Well, I want to be able to say, well, listen, you publish surveys that talk about this number of people. So I'd, lo- I'd, I'd like to get the number well over 500. I'd love to get the number near 1,000. I think that's probably a push because I know you're lazy. So my plea to you is don't be lazy. My plea to you is go to the website, eftm.com.au, look for the big Australian flag, click on that, and then click on the link. 
to the survey and share the survey with your friends. Jump on Facebook and share the survey link. It's anonymous. It's easy. It's free. It takes five minutes. I intentionally didn't put a prize on it because I didn't want to over-incentivize. I didn't want to sway the audience. I just wanted to say, hey, fill out the survey. And I think that's really the best I can do. I have... Um, I've invested $100 in boosting it on Facebook. I've invested $100 on boosting it on Twitter um, to try and get a bit of a more than just my audience um, scope on things. And that's why I ask you to share it as well. So if you could fill out the survey, if you could share that survey link with your friends, I think we could be onto something very cool here because there's really interesting data here, really interesting data. So um, I would appreciate your support. I would appreciate you checking it out and, uh, Maybe just maybe sharing it with your friends, but certainly if you could fill it out, that'd be wonderful. So um, let me know how you go. If you have any problems, let me know. I've tweaked the survey a little bit for people that have given me great feedback. Um, but critically, I um, I really want to try and make a uh, make a solid effort in terms of getting a huge amount of uh, of responses. So if you could go to the website, fill in the mobile user survey, I'd love it, and I'd be greatly appreciative of it. <laughs> We do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin, Satellite Navigation, GPS Technology, the, the Open, the British Open Golf has just concluded. Um, tipping they're not allowed to use products like this, but geez, the Approach S6 is a stunning product. This is a feature-packed, high-res, color touchscreen GPS golf watch with innovative swing features such as swing tempo, tempo training, swing strength. Now, full of color maps with more than 40,000 preloaded worldwide courses built into the watch, with green view for manual pin positioning, touch targeting, and pinpointer blind shot assistance, providing better situational awareness during the game. Um, unbelievable green view for manual pin positioning, touch targeting, pinpointer. It's unbelievable. So very, very cool stuff. Um, you can basically measure your whole round using this little thing here plus. Don't forget they've got that new little device that attaches to your um, to your club, the True Swing which can actually then give you an even greater amount of data about your swing. So check it all out. If you're a golfer, you've got to consider some Garmin products in your life at garmin.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. This is Your Tech Life, episode 338. If you've got a question, a problem, you'll never chat about anything technology in your life, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. G'day, Ben. Hey, Trevor. How's things? Good, buddy. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad at all, mate. What's happening in your world? I uh, just got a, a few NBN problems. I think I might have a problem, at least anyway. I, um, I want to get a reliable speed test, and um, I want to know if there's a difference between line speed and da- an actual download or data downloaded speed. Right. Now, have you tried speedtest.net? I have. So that gives me what I think is a line speed. So right. I just wanted you to confirm... Either way, well, if no. It's so reliable, wh- if it's reliable, or when if you it's, say um, line speed, what do you expect that means? Well, I'm thinking um, the capacity of the data that's able to travel through that particular that connection. Yeah. So the reason speedtest.net is kind of the standard for measuring the speed of your internet connection is because it's not um, a direct connection between you and your local exchange, for example. And in the case of satellite, it's not. I don't know something to do with you and the satellite. It's it's a genuine test of sending data up and down the internet connection that you have. Um, and the only difference is you can choose from any number of servers, right? So if you go to speedtest.net and choose an American server, you will get slower speeds than if you choose a local Australian server. Now, 
the example of this I'll give you is when I do this on a mobile phone, <clears throat> I'll actually nearly always test with that carrier's server. So Optus, Telstra and Vodafone all have a speed test server. And when I'm connected to Op- Optus, I'll use the Optus one, Telstra the Telstra one, and uh, Vodafone the Vodafone one, because I want to see what their network is doing. But if I want to compare the networks together, I'll use a separate um, independent server, right? So I'll pick a server, you know, that's not related to one of those three companies, and I'll use the same server across all three, and that gives me a bit of an estimate of how they compare to each other. So in your case, I would pick, uh, not it doesn't even need to be your ISP, but I would pick one that's, um, that's uh, you know, in Australia for a start. And I actually don't know where you would choose, though, because I think um, with satellite, where does it think you are? Well, it's saying um, the speedtest.net one, I do too. The other one's Oz Broadband. Right. Um, and it shows the line speed and the actual data loaded. So, okay. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit different because I've always used, used speedtest.net. Yep. And uh, someone put me onto this um, Oz Broadband, which actually shows the data loaded. I'm having troubles loading PDFs and using the... Um, RLOQ security cameras. Um, my PDFs are timing out. Um, I can't even generate a PDF on my invoicing system. Yeah. And the RLOQ, um, I've set to the lowest resolution and um, it's uh, still having connection problems. So it's saying that I should be getting, my line speed's 23 or something like that, but the actual data that I can load is only 2.8. Right. So you, you, the difference between the line speed that you're seeing and, a, and an actual data test is 20 to 2, or 25 yeah, to 2. Yeah, yeah. So the line speed's saying, yeah, beautiful. It's going, and I'll get the same result with um, Oz Broadband on the mm. line speed mm. as I do on um, speedtest.net. But, um, you know, when it comes to actually loading data and then spitting out an answer at the end of it, um, in a certain amount of time, a uh, certain amount of data, it gives you a, a result. Yeah, I don't know. About, I mean, look, it's it's probably above my pay grade to be honest. Um, the difference between line speed and uh, and data speed. But when I, <clears throat> for example, look at your the Oz broadband that you're suggesting, um, I see my and don't just be sitting down. I, I'm not on satellite. Remember, I'm on cable. I get 109 as a line speed. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's the well, same. My mate, he's in uh, he's in Baldwin in mm. uh, Melbourne, and mm. he did uh, 80 as a line speed and. And his uh, data load was nine. Well, see, I'm seeing a data download speed of 13. <clears throat> now, the thing is, it always depends where the bloody data's coming from, right? It's all well and good to have a you know a local internet speed within Australia of 100, but if the internet is congested to the peak, you know, overseas links uh, at the time of night that you're using, then yeah, it's going to be slower. But I don't. Th- and, and so, like an Arlo, for example... The, during the day for, for, for so, business usage, yeah. Yeah, so the Arlo's, for example, they, I understood they have Australian service, so you would think they would be better than if they were overseas, but I wouldn't expect them to be 25. I'd expect them to work, but I wouldn't expect them to be 25. Yeah, well, I've set the settings to not 1080, of course. It's yeah. down to the lowest, lowest setting, and I'm still having these issues. So. What does your ISP say? Um, well, I've been escalated up up the tree further, but um, uh, they're now saying they're having server issues. Um, and the Telstra Tech guy said there's only about 50 customers on our on our satellite line, and mm. um, 
it's capable of 500 customers. So I'm sort of getting conflicting answers. And so tell me and again, apart from the Arlo, what are the other things that are just uh, frustratingly not working well for you? So invoice to go, just simply generating service, an invoice yeah. yep. and having to um, um, be able to either print, print it out or, or not, sorry, not print it out or email it off. So um, because I have to... Over to a web-based system, yep. it generates an invoice, and it just times out. Right. It's interesting because that kind of happens at the server side. It shouldn't really time out. And what about general web browsing? Do you notice it being appalling? Or well, my ADSL so I sold the um, I was sold the satellite on the basis that it'd be faster than my ADSL two plus. Yep. I was getting um, you know um, data loaded speeds of um, five and six sometimes, and um, the NBN seems to be a lot slower than my ADSL2. So luckily I've kept the ADSL2 um, while I've been having these issues. I haven't mm. been using it. Mm. I, I do want to get to the bottom of these of this um, satellite speed because I've been sold something that, that I'm not getting. And you're with Telstra? Yeah, yeah. All right, look, I think um, let's take this to the NBN. Let me ask this question of the NBN um, to see what they say. As I said, I'm, I'm, I'm less interested in the the speeds that you're seeing via these websites telling you your speed i'm more interested in the in the practical nature of the fact that invoice to go is a pretty simple cloud-based system um it's not um overly graphical it's not a huge load on the on the internet i've used it i use it all the time um it doesn't make sense you know so i think that it would be interesting to see and you know the satellites are new so maybe it is literally that new that they're still tweaking the whole thing i don't know um, if you don't mind, I'll pass your details on to uh, onto the MBN code. Yep, no, that's fine, Trev. <clears throat> well, look, you've um, shoot me back an email with a bit more detail um, about your account, your address, I don't know, whatever you can about your um, your connection, and then let me use that to pass it on to uh, to the MBN and see what they can tell us about what would be the next steps. Thanks, Trevor. All right, mate. Thanks for getting in touch. We'll see what we can do for you. Good on you, mate. And uh, if you, like Ben, have a question, just get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading your Tech Life, episode 338. Thanks to the good people at Garmin, Satellite Navigation, GPS Technology, and Alcatel with the Go Play, now available shockproof, waterproof, dustproof smartphone, 299 at Big W. Great little smartphone. Let's get back to your calls. G'day, Kylie. Hi, Trevor. How are you? Very well. How are you? Good, good. What's happening? Now, my question is, mm-hmm. we are looking at buying a property just outside of where we live at the moment, mm-hmm. and there's no NBN, there's no ADSL, and I've done some research. And I'm out. I'm out. I'm not living there. I'm sorry, Kylie. I can't come stay. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a toss-up, let me tell you. Okay. <laughs> the first thing I do when we're looking at property is make sure I can get some kind of decent Connectivity, yeah, there. exactly. Yeah. Now... The best I have found after doing some research is um, SkyMaster, which is NBN Satellite. Yep. Um, now, my question to you is, first of all, the pros and cons of this and mm. if it's any good. And my second part of the question is, can I set up a Wi-Fi network? If it is possible to get that out there, can I set up a Wi-Fi network within my house? Yeah. Okay, so um, first and foremost, uh, it's very interesting. When you listen to this podcast, you'll be um, interested because the previous caller uh, has just installed the NBN satellite uh, oh, and isn't very happy. Oh, <laughs> I won't lie to you. Um, it feels like there's some issues there. Now, that could be him. It could be anything. But 
Let's so let's let's not focus on that right now until we find out exactly what's going on. Let's talk about um, what it should be. And the the concept of the NBN satellite is that for the areas where and there's many of them, they can't run a cable, um, they can't get directly to homes, um, yep. remote reg- regional Australia. They've put satellites in the air. Literally, one's already up there, and they're putting another one in the air. This is millions of dollars worth of investments um, yep. to provide internet. And the internet should come down to you at 25 meg download speeds, and I think it's two meg uploads. Yep. So, in in theory, that's broadband. That's like that's decent speeds for Timbuktu, if you know what I mean. Yep. It's yep, nothing cool. compared to metro areas, but that's you know you got the lifestyle of the country. So that's a, that's a very yep. different thing. Um, so the theory, and, and look, I've only ever had um, that that one other call about uh, about it not being great. So yep. I would have thought by now I would have heard more if it was really bad. So yep. I actually think that you'll find, <clears throat> look, pros and cons wise, it's slow. Yep. The um, the um, and I guess the more devices I have running on the network at the same time, totally. it would be even slower. Absolutely. So if you're streaming three lots of uh, movies, then yeah, it's not going to be great. But you yep. can absolutely set up a Wi-Fi network on it. There's no reason why not because you're sharing the internet. But it's just a matter of what you do with it and uh, yep. and treating it with the with the I guess not too much contempt. Um, yep. Because a, a 25 meg download speed would be great for streaming Netflix. In fact, it should be able to stream 4K in theory. Um, yeah. But to be honest, I'd always choose HD anyway, unless you're a real video file and can really pick the difference. Um, yeah, which we're not. So. <laughs> no, that's right. Get a nice little Wi-Fi router, hook it up, and Bob should be your uncle. It should work really nicely. Um, as I say, I think probably worthwhile not overstating the fact that it is new. Um, yep. I wouldn't be reading Whirlpool forums, for example, which is where people bitch and moan about their, their world's problems because yep. there's always <laughs> going to be people with problems. Um, yep. But the whole idea of the NBN is to provide a consistent quality of service across the country, and that's what you should be able to call them on. So if you sign up with Telstra or Optus or whoever it is that provides you with that, that NBN via satellite, then yep. they should all be able to provide you with that consistency of approach. All right, so it's not Telstra Optus. There mm-hmm. are when I've done my research for that particular property, there was um, eight providers that could give me some plans. Um, it's interesting. Now, I was under the understanding that all the providers that offer NBN plans can also offer satellite plans. Maybe they don't. Well, they choose not to. I think it's mainly just Telstra and Optus choose not to. Well, the previous they, caller was with Telstra. Yeah, on a satellite. Oh, well, maybe I'll go back to Telstra and see, you know, maybe if you know I what? speak to there's somebody no, else, maybe there's they'll no reason. different. There's no reason to go with Telstra. Remember, yeah. the only difference, broadly speaking, between all of the providers with the MBN is customer service because okay. they're all getting the internet through the MBN. They're just reselling yeah. it to you. The MBN yeah. provides the actual network. The retailer provides the, the, the account to you and the service. So if you've got a problem, who do you call? That's really all it's about. So you go with the company you feel best in terms of customer service about. All right, cool. And now the other thing that I have is I've got two growing boys Mm. and they've got two devices each. They've got a PS4. They watch Mm. Netflix. So as they get older and into high school, they're obviously going to be using it more. So I need to find a plan that gives me a fair chunk of data. Yeah, and and you know you're you're still always going to be restricted by that speed though. You know that's going to be the kicker. Um, yeah. So yeah, you need to you need to get as much data as you can uh, over time. You need to grow that. Um, yeah. But you're always going to be restricted in in many ways by that speed. Speed. Yeah. And you know, in five years from now, twenty five is going to feel ridiculously slow. Now I don't know yeah. what the next generation of satellite is, if there is, and what what the plan is. But 
right now it's 25 and you, you need to realize that if you're moving to such a remote location that satellite is your only option it won't yep. be it won't be as easy to upgrade as the fiber cable in the city for example Yes, absolutely. The funny thing is, it's not really that remote. It's actually 20 minutes drive from the centre of Goulburn. Ah, uh, yeah, right, okay. Yeah. Still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in the world yeah. of running cables, it's it's remote, right? You know what I mean? It Well, technically it is in mm. the world of running cables. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it doesn't help. I get you. <laughs> yeah. But All right. Thank you so much for your help. I've no done worries. Tried to do so much research, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know who to turn to to get some more information. So, there you go. But if you haven't heard anything too bad about it, then it must be no. Okay. Uh, if you want to, I mean, I don't, when are you moving? Uh, well, I have to look into the internet access at all the properties. I look at before I move yeah. anywhere, so it's not a, it's not a major commitment at this stage. Yeah. So, so I think I think I'll pay attention over the next couple of weeks. I'll see what happens with my previous caller, Ben. Um, yep. And, you know, do a bit of research. But as I say, take with a grain of salt the complaints because there's always going to be whinges, right? So it's like, oh, oh, yeah, of course. Challenge. Yep. All right, Kylie, good on you. Thanks, Trevor. Have no a good worries. Night. You too. And uh, if you've got a question like Kylie, get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Your Tech Life. If you've got a question about technology, a problem with technology, doesn't matter what it is, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. G'day, Trina. Hi. Hi, Trevor. Um, just... Uh, one wanting to know how to copy my favourites um, into a new computer. When I get a new computer, mm-hmm. I don't know how to transfer those favourites, that favourites list, because it's all it's all the new computer. Still using so favourites. That, I don't use favourites anymore. That's very interesting. I hadn't thought about it for a long time. What browser okay. do you use right now on the old computer? Just the IE Internet Explorer. Yep. So. There's there's two paths forward for you, right? Now, I'll tell you both, and then you can determine which one's easier for you. Um, the first one is the old-fashioned way, um, and that is that there's actually a folder on your computer called Favorites. And if you simply take a USB stick, plug it into your computer, and look in My Documents, you'll find a folder there called My Favorites or Favorites. And if you drag and drop that folder onto a USB stick, right, then you go to your new computer... And you plug that USB stick in and you once again drag and drop that favorites folder into your My Documents. Most likely, that's all you'll need to do. You open up the browser and hey presto, your favorites will be there. Now, it sounds simple, but in this day and age, Microsoft might have changed this, that and the other on what Windows 10 or who knows what. So I tell you, my advice would be to go a little bit, little bit more techie and I would go to the cloud. Now, I would recommend to you that you get Google Chrome. Have you got a Gmail account at all? Yes, I do have a Gmail. Perfect. So if you install Google Chrome browser, and you can get that from google.com forward slash Chrome, you install the browser and then you log into that browser as your Gmail account. When you first use the browser, it'll say, do you want me to import all your favorites? And you say, yes, I do. And then all your favorites will be there. And then when you sign in using your Gmail account, all those favorites will be saved in the cloud. And so when you're on your new computer, you simply download Google Chrome, you log in with your Gmail account, and in about a minute, it'll, it'll synchronize all of your logins, your passwords, your favorites, everything. It is so good. Oh, okay. That's, that's so it's the better way to go future thinking is, is to use Google Chrome and use that cloud synchronization. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, for the moment, I'll just I'll just. Do Have the you got both computers folder. already? You've got the new computer already. 
No, no, no. I haven't. No, I haven't even got got to that stage yet because I've had various computers over mm. over the years, and um, and I'm just thinking if possible I'll get another one. So yep. I just wanted to know up front before I do. Well, it. I think before you even worry about it, just start move yourself to the cloud. Google Chrome's a better browser. It's a faster browser. Um, if you've got a Gmail account, it all kind of works together and links together. If you start living in Google Chrome, you'll find it very easy to suddenly migrate to a new computer. Okay. All right. All righty. Don't well, be that, afraid that, of it. That's very good. Don't be afraid yeah. of it, Trina. I know you're sounding cautious there. <laughs> yeah, I know, but um, I've been using computers for the last 25 years or so. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, the cloud, I, I the cloud is your friend, Trina. Your, the cloud is your friend. Yes. Trust me. Okay, I will uh, be adventurous and I'll get into try it. the cloud. All right, Trina. Good luck. Thanks for getting in touch. Okay. Thank you, Trina. Good Bye. on you. And if you've got a question like Trina, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. And we do it thanks to the good people at Alcatel, Sam and the team at Alcohol. Alcatel with the uh, Alcatel Go Play now installs. This is the shockproof, waterproof, dustproof smartphone that's $299. It suits teenagers. It suits everybody. It suits people who lead a busy lifestyle, a rugged lifestyle, maybe drop their phone now and then. It's an Android smartphone. It's great performance, great screen, great features, great camera. It's all there for just $299. So check it out. It's available to buy outright from Big W. You walk in, you grab the box, you pay the $299, you put your SIM card in and you are running. And you're not on a contract then. You can own the phone outright. So Alcatel Go Play, available now at Big W. Check it out at Big W. And uh, you can find my full review at eftm.com.au. So I went to uh, a car park this morning. It was riveting. Uh, six floors underground, no mobile service, but that's okay. And um, and it was a launch from Ford. Now, last week I was at uh, Ford with the Focus RS, and you can have a look at my drifting videos on on uh, the EFTM Facebook page. Uh, and it was an interesting event because it was about parking. Now, I won't spoil it all because I've got interviews here for you from the people at Ford and the people at Carhood, but basically Ford has teamed up with a company called Carhood, a little Aussie startup, to save you big bucks at the airport. No more parking. In fact, parking is not just free, you can make money from parking. So I've got two sets of interviews here for you. The first I'm going to chat with, uh, I think it's Graham and Lou from Ford, um, about their their motivations behind this and why they got into it. And then we'll speak to Steve from Carhood about the uh, innovative little startup that is Carhood right here on EFTM. All right, we're in a basement car park here with the people from Ford, Graham and Lou from Ford. Now, the, the idea of Carhood, I'll talk to the Carhood guys about, but... Ford, I've known about Ford's mobility plans for a couple of years now. I remember going to Barcelona a couple of years ago and looking at the the bike you had there and then I think CES Asia last year. There's been talk of this for a while, but this is the first initiative in Australia. Has that taken a while to find something to partner with? Uh, Well, you're right. It's the first of a kind for us within the partnership between Carhartt and Ford, and, and we wanted to be very choiceful 
around the relationships and partnerships that we could see in the emerging mobility market in Australia. So we're not going to jump straight into anything that, that's simply out there. We want to provide value to our customers, but at the same time demonstrate the innovation that's sitting behind that. And so uh, it took a little while, uh, but we had some targets in our mind as to where we really wanted to push into. And there are some key mobility challenges in Australia. Yeah, you know, parking. Parking is, is, a, is, a big is one. one critical one. Yes. And, and so sharing. This this becomes a big part of the sharing economy. You know, the Correct. sharing economy is a word we'll hear a lot more go- yes. words. We'll hear a lot more going forward. Um, is this the first of many things that Ford will do in Australia, most likely? Um, I wouldn't want to predict the future too much, but I would suggest that you would see us in this kind of environment with some consistency. Uh, we're one of uh, between 25 and 30 key pilots and initiatives and experiments, frankly, mm. around the world with Ford. Uh, and as I said earlier, whether it's car sharing in Bangalore or predictive parking in London or you know car ownership sharing uh, in Texas, these are all areas of Ford dipping into the mobility area that we haven't before, trying to provide mobility solutions beyond cars, trucks and SUVs that adds value to our customer and sets us apart from some other competitors who are still trying to play in the traditional automotive market. Mm. We're trying to move ourselves into that mobility space. And so will is, is the vision for the future that people won't, um, won't only associate Ford with with wheels and, and, and vehicles. They'll, they'll associate it with the, the concept of getting from A to B. Well, that's correct. I mean, Ford has one foot in today, which is around core products, cars, trucks and SUVs. Yep. But we have another foot in tomorrow, which is around emerging mobility services that go beyond those core products. Yep. Uh, and that means that you'll see Ford in the space of autonomous vehicles, uh, or, uh, autonomous I should say, autonomous vehicles, uh, connectivity, mobility services, data analytics and consumer experience. That's the, the next big push for us as we morph ourselves into a more mobility-based organisation. Yeah. So, Lou, in terms of you know the public perception of this, the way the public see it, how, how do you market this to, to, to Australians, given that Australians do have that perception of Ford being a car company? Like, how, how do you change that from, from people thinking, I'll park at the park and fly, to being, I'll, I'll think about the thing that Ford's involved in? Well, it's a great question, but a lot of the marketing for it, if you will, was actually in the selection of CarHood as our partner. They're at the cross-section of a couple of things. We mentioned the pain point of parking. Yep. But then airport parking, the amount of miles or kilometers that a typical Australian puts on an airport is number three in the world of any country. Um, they're specifically targeting airports, and they specifically target the cost of ownership by letting customers make some money off of what they're, uh, what would ordinarily be sitting idle or worse, accruing money um, uh, in it. In terms of our marketing plan, we're sitting down with Steve as part of our collaboration and CarHood, as well as us, and putting together our entire marketing plan behind this. We do expect to um, uh, uh, promote it uh, long after today um, because of uh, what it does for Ford owners. And you're providing uh, some vehicles to the CarHood team to kind of bolster their fleet, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. I mean, silly question, but are they going to be branded so that people will see, like we have here, the the Ford and the the CarHood logo? goes together and that starts the association for people as they see them driving around, the the ticking association that Ford does more than just make cars? Well, it's certainly a start. It's certainly a start and Steve and I were remarking on these things right now um, and how how fantastic they look and they say the right things about both companies. So, yeah. Um, it's pretty tragic isn't it, that uh, Australia has, what, you said earlier, four of the top 20, top 20 most expensive.
expensive parking locations in the world. I mean, it is unbelievable. So it's, it is, a, as you said, Lou, it's a great pain point. And so relieving pain creates a nice, nice feeling for people. When they get a nice feeling, they they like to you know have a have a good association with the brand. So you end up associating yourself with a very, very happy brand in in a way, don't you? Well, it's an opportunity to converge. You know, the strength of Ford and the strength of Carhood, all centred around a key customer issue. Yeah. And that pain point, as you rightly said, is around car parking in this particular issue. And so yes, you have a, a nice synergy between the two brands. But on top of that, we also provide a, an added, added benefit for our Ford customers, where they actually get even better benefits than even the average person comes to car. Right, so I own a Ford, um, I use Carhood, I register, I log in, I use my thing and I'll talk to Steve about all that, but instead of getting 25% of the of the, of the clip ticket, yep, yep. I'm getting 30% as a, a 35% 35% as a Ford customer. Yep, that's correct. And on top of that, uh, if you want to rent a Ford vehicle, if you're actually coming into an airport, uh, you get a 10% discount on the normal rental rates from Carhood. So you're getting both the income stream, uh, which is extra if you're a Ford customer, and you're also getting getting a discount to rent the vehicle when you're arriving at an airport as a full customer. Is it too early to think that that's a conversation at the dealership? We're, we're a couple of years away from that being an upselling point at a, at a dealership, surely, but um, you know, getting the sales reps to understand these are the kind of thing that Ford's doing. Because obviously, car dealers, even though you've done a lot of work, I, I grant you, in the in the dealership of the future, yes. um, the de- car dealers and car salesmen are still selling cars, right? And they're, they're trying to you know get the headlight protectors on things. Upselling the concept of a, a bigger bigger ecosystem, I guess, is what you want to do in the longer term, so that the sales reps are selling the ecosystem of Ford, not just the vehicle? Yeah, well, we have our, our Ford service promise here. We provide the most comprehensive after-sales uh, uh, service experience in the world. This is another benefit to customers, especially those utilizing those three airports um, that, that fit very, very nicely um, into our overall suite of services. Um, the Could you go back and what was your question just, before just that? The, the long term in terms of creating a creating a, an ecosystem for the for the dealers for the sales reps to actually Absolutely. you know sell sell more than just the car you Absolutely. know in in and that's the 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 bigger picture in all this as well is customers are getting trial on this I mean we believe there'll be thousands of hours yeah. that customers will be able to spend brand new Ford yeah, uh, yeah. cars and SUVs as a result of this as well um, I've used the car hood service and I've been very impressed by the vehicles they're always you know incredible Straight them, yeah. yeah, and you just have a really good experience because I think it 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 it, uh, it carry it captures the cross section of kind of Australian thinking of beating the system, if you will, <laughs> right? Of, point, of, yeah, yeah. of uh, challenging convention, yeah, yeah. Um, and at the same time having an extremely pleasant experience in the vehicle. So we think it's going to create hours of, yeah. like you said, very very positive trial yeah. uh, for our vehicles themselves. So it'll ultimately uh, uh, help our dealers. All right, good luck. Thanks, Chance. Thank you. Thanks very much. All right, that's the gents from Ford. Now let's head over and chat to Steve, one of the co-founders of Carhood, a company trying to save you money, in fact, make you money, when you park at the airport. So we're here with uh, co-founder of uh, yeah. Carhood, Steve. Now listen, talk, forget the Ford thing for a minute. Yeah. For my audience, just yeah. talk me through Carhood from start to finish. The yeah. the idea, where'd the idea come from? Idea came from our trip to Sydney from Melbourne. Uh, we parked our car at the airport. Uh, we rented a car in Sydney. Came back with a two hundred and forty dollars parking ticket. Cost more than the flight itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and a Tiger flight. <laughs> and uh, and we yeah, rented a car through the one of the big four agencies. Yep. Yep. We saw thousands of cars sitting idle at the airport. Yep. 
saw thousands of fleet cars owned by the big four rental companies. Yeah. So we just thought, what a massive inefficiency this is. Why can't we use these cars? People are renting out their homes on Airbnb. Yeah. Uh, people are doing Uber driving and things like that. So uh, let's rent their cars out. We've got the busiest air routes in the world. Yeah. We've got most expensive airport parking in the world. This is a prime place yeah. to roll this model out. So we, uh, we obviously had to get an insurance policy for this to work. So it took us a few months to get that sorted. Once we had that in place, we, we launched, we, we got a house next to the airport. We we're running the operation out of our front yard, very, very raw startup style, yeah. and uh, cleaning cars and doing that sort of thing, shuttling customers to the airport. And we started to see month on month growth. And people yeah. said, well, there is a market now for yeah. people wanting to share their cars. They've had enough of paying for $60 a day to park their car. So um, here we are now with three sites, Melbourne, Brisbane, and we just launched in Sydney this yeah. month. And uh, we're looking to roll out in Perth and Gold Coast by the end of this year as well. And so, so as a as a resident of Sydney, let's yep. talk about Sydney because it's the new new area. I've got a little car. Um, I'm going to go away for five days. Yeah. Um, I'm going to park at the airport. That's yep. going to cost me a lot of money. Yep. And then if I'm at the other end, I might rent a car. Yeah. So. I drop my car, I register my car online with you for a start and all yep. those kind of things, but yep. where do I drop the car in Sydney? So we're located about 150 metres from the domestic terminal. So right. when you drop your car off at our depot, we do a check-in of the car, we take photos, make sure uh, it's all, all ticks the boxes. Yeah. We then drive you to the airport in your car, drop you off, drive your car back. Car will then obviously sit there until a renter comes along and picks it up. And uh, I'm not paying it, anything. Not so paying any, I'm not any, paying any fee. If you don't rent my car out, that ain't my problem. You still get free parking if it yeah, doesn't right. get rented out. So, uh, and if it does get rented out, you get a free car wash inside and out. So detail, including tyre shine, looks really nice. And uh, <laughs> and 25% of the rental fee. So on average, this car here, I think goes for about 40 bucks a day, this yep. Ford, Ford Cougar. Is there uh, a limit to the, like, you know, when you turn up as an Uber driver, you have to have a certain range, certain type of car, certain age, certain things. So, yeah, it can't be older than 15 years. Wow, okay. So, my little 2010 Mazda 2 is still in the running? They're, they're really popular cars. Really? Because that'd be, yeah. what would that, that'd be like 20 or 30 bucks a day to rent Probably out? Probably around 20 to 25 a day. Yeah. And uh, I get 25% of that. You get 25% plus free parking plus a free car wash. Right. So, so, then you've got a partnership with Ford, and we'll get to how that came about in a minute. Yeah, yeah. But the idea here is that if I own a Ford, yeah. Um, I get a bigger slice of the revenue yeah, yeah. Uh, when it comes in, yeah. so that's a, that's an upside. But also, when I go to the other end, I get a, a discount on the rental of a vehicle of a at the other end. If I so, choose a yeah. Ford at the other end, yeah. I get a, a discount on that as well. Yeah, that's correct. So you get so, a 10% bonus. So instead of your 25%, you now get 35%. Yeah. And if you yeah, rent a Ford on the other end, you get a 10% discount off that Ford. Yeah, right. So. So I've, I've done a few things with Ford over the years outside of yeah. the We Make Cars space. Um, been to big conferences where they, they're talking about making bikes and yeah. smart mobility is the word they use. Were you, did you see that they do that and went, hang on a minute, we've got to, do, we've got to talk to them? Or did they yeah. see you? How did it come about? Yeah, I saw their, I think their annual report over uh, in the US. And I saw reading annual reports, wow. That's, that's what I do in my spare time. Yeah, it's quite sad, but <laughs> um, I saw what they were doing with uh, other car sharing companies, actually, yeah. and, and just mobility in general, uh, sort of the, the buzzword at the moment. Yep. And I knew this would be a perfect thing for... Forward and Carhood to you're, like, but you're, you're ticking the buzzword bingo boxes. You've got sharing economy, you've got disrupt, yeah. um, you've got mobility. Yeah. You really are. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you really are in in the in the middle of, of quite a very interesting push forward, right? Yeah. So you know you, you've done. You're in the startup phase still, I, I guess. You've got trying to expand um, in, into Perth. Is is global the the ongoing it destination? It is. Yeah, we we think we could see Carhood at every major airport around the world. Yeah. Uh, just like you see your big four, Avis budget hurts. Yep. Carhood should 
uh, we should be able yeah. to get there. No problem. So you, you said you're 150 metres from the domestic airport. You, yeah. you're, you're paying at the airport for space then? No, we're not actually in the airport. We're right. just outside. Right. So, so like, like your park and fly is just outside the airport. just outside. Right. So um, The trick is to find those spots just outside the airport boundaries because I'm sure the rents are bad too if you just Sydney try to get space there. atrocious for yeah. uh, getting any sort of land. But right. Melbourne and Brisbane are a bit better, so it's yeah, quite, right. quite plausible. Um, so, yeah, 150 metres to the domestic. It's actually so close you can walk. Right. Um, so some people actually opt to walk because they want the exercise and things like that. But yeah, and and so the and the whole the whole thing's driven through the website. I register through the website. Yeah. I can rent. A, I can book my rental through the website. Yeah. I let you know when I'm coming in yeah. advance. I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah. yeah. So we basically say get to our place 20 minutes before you need to be at the airport. Yeah. So when you list so your I, car, I need to pre-book that I'm gonna gonna use the service. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you need to pre-book on our website, and we do that just so we can increase the chance of your car getting rented out. We don't want last-minute drop-offs. Yeah and make sure we've got someone on site for you as well when you when you show up. So. And it's all through the website, carhood.com.au? That's correct. So as long as your car's less than 15 years old and you do, the bit of, do a bit of travelling, yep, you can, uh, you can well. save money and theoretically make money. Yes, that's correct. So all right, Steve. win-win, right? It, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. That's, that's all okay. win-win, yeah. right? But especially yeah. when you talk back to your origins of it. You paid a lot of money for parking. You paid a lot of money to rent a car. You're reducing both of those things, potentially making money. It's it's completely it's reversing the whole thing. Yeah. So we, you're not. Yeah, you're not paying for parking now. You we've taken that and made it free. Yeah. And now you're coming back with money. Good luck. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your tech, tech life with Trevor Long. Now, a couple of years ago, I was lucky enough to travel to Sweden and uh, the town of Huskvarna and the factory of the company Huskvarna and their museum. It was, I think, the celebration, and I'll be corrected here, but of about their 325th birthday. This is a company that's been around for a very long time and has evolved from everything from weaponry to uh, sewing machines to everything under the sun, and primarily now you know them as the, uh, um, the garden equipment, if you want to describe it that way, and certainly you find some of the best uh, landscape gardeners in the in the world and uh, people that work as grounds, people that big parks and different places like that using Husqvarna equipment. But do you know what? The world is changing rapidly in that space. And Stephen Clark, the general manager of marketing and business intelligence at Husqvarna in Australia, is on the line to talk about it. G'day, Steve. Hi, Trevor. How are you? Mate, very well. Um, now, I remember, and it's I'm going to say two, maybe three years ago, I went over to, to the factory and it was very interesting because the, the concepts they were talking about just then were – uh, this, you know, they're obviously talking about a lot of electric potential technology there, battery-operated um, uh, items like chainsaws and uh, and line trimmers and things, um, the intelligence that could come from a connected uh, set of equipment. So uh, someone who had a fleet of, of people working, they could they could have intelligence about the, the equipment that needed work or, or servicing. And I've since uh, tested and, and used one of your line trimmers that's battery-operated. We've come a long way in a very short space of time in terms of technology in your space, haven't we? We sure have, um, and it's it's not slowing down either. The technology is developing very rapidly. The the power that's coming out of the the battery cells um, and how we can utilise that to get the performance and runtime out of battery garden tools that's basically equal to the equivalent level performance on um, on petrol machines. Because that was so one of the challenges, um, wasn't it? People say, oh, let's go battery, but the problem was batteries either don't have enough grunt to, you know, chop down a tree or they don't have enough life in them to last the time that it would take to mow your lawn or whatever the thing is that you're doing. So we've we've had this evolution in the power that comes from batteries, the power that you're able to convert that into. 
um, yep. through design that, that means these are viable products now. Absolutely viable, and, and we're seeing that now with um, even the commercial operators. It's also been driven by the marketplace. People are wanting quieter machines, less emissions, um, being able to operate at, uh, in enclosed spaces, you know, close by hospitals, nursing homes, schools, yep. and all those sort of things where they don't want the noise disruption. Battery's ideal for that, and now they can get the performance mm by the combination, as you said, of, of batteries, motors, and the, the technology that Hus Farm has been able to develop means that uh, we've got a viable product option to, to satisfy those needs. And we can literally move towards a, a more quiet, silent city where, you know, it's okay to get up in the morning and do some line trimming or edge trimming or whatever it might be because you're not actually waking up the neighbours. These things are so quiet. It's, it's the sound of leaves falling from a tree, essentially. Basically, um, and... Of course, the cities are getting more crowded, yep. um, increased urbanisation, but we're also now building parks and green spaces within that, that tighter locales on, mm. on things like rooftops and stuff like that. And moving petrol products around becomes unviable when you, mm. you've got to take them up lifts and all sorts of things. So That's a very good point. You think of that really building really in the, the centre of Sydney, the Central Park or whatever it's called, where... The place is basically one big tree uh, uh, wrapped around a building. They can't be taking yeah. petrol anything up there because, the, you know, the lifts would stink of petrol, let alone the potential hazards. So you're able to take uh, take the equipment with you to places that may not have um, existed, you know, in, in the years years gone by um, and create a, a safer, more pleasant environment. Isn't it interesting that we're, we're talking about not just an evolution of, you know, power, but we're talking about uh, creating a, a, a more pleasant environment. I'm not a greenie, so I, you know, I'm not fussed about the emissions and all that stuff, but the idea of creating a more pleasant environment because your neighbours, you know, blowing, um, you know, trimming the, trimming the edges or whatever it might be is actually a really big change to the community. Absolutely is. You can put a green space anywhere because you can now maintain it without all the hassles of... Um... Mm. You know, moving petrol product around. So Tell me about that's, that's the um, the the concept. I think it's Ramus. The um, yep. This is it's interesting. You know, cars. They're always doing concepts. Um, we do see some technology concepts from time to time from companies. You know, foldable, bendable screens that we've never really seen in market. So you yep. you've created a, a concept line uh, edge edger um, or trimmer that yep. is very very different because you've got a, a battery pack that's around the waist. You've got a, a basically an augmented reality. Um, uh, helmet or visor, this is absolutely thinking about the the commercial work most most particularly well down the track and, and working towards that. Absolutely. It's combining the technology that we have now, the technology that we know is coming and putting that into a, a product concept. As you said, from the car industry, it's if the, the wallet was pretty fat and full, what would we build without the price being... Yep. A, a real um, limitation and, and that's the sort of thing that we put in there and we're actually seeing now some of the technology starting to, to filter through into products from the design. The, the Bluetooth connectivity is, a, is something that will come out in battery product mm. so that the, the head-up display and the augmented visor be, can become a reality in, in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, I mean the visor can show your battery level. Your, your visor at a first point of call doesn't need to show the the cutting edge, it can just show the uh, the status of the machine. That's the first port of call. It's, it's simple yeah. progress towards that. And that's the great thing about a concept. It can be so far in the future that we don't need to build it ever, but 
we're working continually towards that and you use that as a basis for every innovation between now and then. Yeah. And there's even simple things that we're seeing on that product, the design and the, the concept behind the gearbox um, to transfer the drive from the battery-powered motor to the, mm. the cutting blade is actually starting to... Some of the ideas in that are coming through in the, the next round of battery products and um, extension pole hedge trimmers and things because they worked out a better way to design the gearbox by doing the concept. And that sort of stuff is, is really beneficial for everybody. So. I don't know this for a fact or, or even anecdotally, but I wonder whether some of the pushback towards battery products today are from old school people who maybe used the first evolution of battery products and thought they were no good. Um, is it hard to get to break through the, uh, I guess, the, the thought process around, you know, moving from petrol to battery for the commercial world, let alone the, the, the uh, consumer world? It is a challenge. Uh, and there's people out there that have supplied product that doesn't use the right sort of combination of battery power, battery cells mm. and, um, management electronic management systems to get that performance so the perception is is continually let down even in the, the current period but the best thing we do is actually get it in the hands of products and mm. you mentioned that you've tested it and it's actually interesting to see people's faces when they they start using the product because the jaw sort of drops and they go hang on a minute this can't be battery because <laughs> it's performing so well it's just it's really interesting to see the looks on their faces particularly when we we do uh, things like the hedge trimmer i mean that's going to replace petrol product a lot faster than yep. some of the other machines because because it doesn't require as much outstanding yeah yeah it's uh um, it's amazing to watch the innovation it must be great to work for a company that as i said when i toured and you've obviously toured the the museum as well it's 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 mm-hmm. stunning to think that they they went for a phase phase because they were able to i think forge metal they were making meat grinders or something i mean it's just you just innovate towards whatever product will sell at that uh, in that um, generation really and we now absolutely. move from uh, from what is uh, an industrial revolution through to a, a technology revolution and uh Husqvarna's still on that road and, and still going strong. Yeah, it's certainly an exciting time and, and we're all petrol sniffers, I guess, in the, in the business <laughs> of power equipment, but um, most of us are, are pretty well converted to the performance and the, the exciting future prospects of the battery product in, in combination with the petrol. Obviously, it's not going to replace it in the short term, mm. uh, but certainly there's there's lots of complementary aspects to the different products for the different users and it's pretty exciting times. We probably need to workshop a new uh, a new term, you know, the the modern petrol sniffer, the uh, the modern the modern the modern uh, the modern landscaper, you know, what are they looking for? And just lastly, is that one of the challenges as you said, you know, people like me getting in our hands is one of the challenges just to get to people to give it a try, you know, don't just uh, dismiss it, just give it a try and you may well be surprised. Well, yeah, that's that's the big challenge, and and we're making investments in that by having the the product available for people to try and and getting it out to commercial operators. Say, okay, go and use it for two weeks, and tell us what you think then. Yeah. Without fail, so far, I think they've all come back and said, "Yep, I can see oh, a, a place for this in our our toolkit." Because the big thing is that they they've got limitations put on them; they can't operate until nine o'clock in the morning, or they, yeah, they can't they can't operate in a university while people are doing exams and lectures and things. And mm. That means they've got people standing around twiddling their thumbs, which isn't very efficient. So now they can operate. 
once they get sold on the performance, away we go. Have so. you driven a Tesla, Steve? I haven't. I've ridden in one. Mm. So it's yeah, a pretty so. big, and I think you know what that's what maybe maybe that's part of your marketing. Maybe you need to get a, a big orange Tesla with a Husqvarna logo on the front, <laughs> and uh, take people on a test drive, get them excited, and then then hand over a, a line trimmer and say, "Well, trust me, you're, you're going to be okay with this." <laughs> yeah, I'll ask my boss for my next company yeah. car to be a Tesla. See how I go. <laughs> Good luck. Just tell him I said so. Good on you, Stephen Clark no from uh, Husqvarna, talking uh, the future and electric. Thanks for the chat, mate. No worries. Thanks, Trevor. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. All right, that's enough from me. Follow me on Twitter at Trevor Long. Jump on the Facebook page, trevorlong.com will take you there. And also like EFTM when you can, facebook.com forward slash EFTM online. If you want to get in touch, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Please fill in that survey, um, the mobile phone user survey. I greatly appreciate your input. Um, we will have some great competitions coming up in the next few months, but I wanted to make the survey about the survey, not about an incentive. So would appreciate you filling in the survey and sharing the survey with your friends. would be greatly appreciated. Uh, I'll be back on air on TUE on Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. talking technology, and I'll be with you every Sunday for the next couple of months on TUE if you're driving around Sydney or anywhere in the country because you can listen via TuneIn Radio uh, midday uh, till 6 p.m. Sydney time talking anything from um, we talk travel, we talk uh, news of the day, we talk road safety, we talk everything for six hours, and you can get in touch on the open line there. It's 13, 13, 32 when I'm on air. But uh, Sundays from midday to six, we'd uh, look forward to your company then. Tweet me, say good day. It's always good to know you're listening. Um, it's a silly little thing, but when you're on the radio or you're doing a podcast, oh, hello, um, you just don't know people are there. So send me a tweet, say good day, and just wave. It's uh, lovely to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading back again next week, I promise, with Your Tech Life. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Your Tech Tech Life with Trevor Long.